I was surprised at how much I did enjoy it. Um, I, 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 I will say that it's punny. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 82 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We are recording on Tuesday, March 11, 2014. I'm TJ, your host. And joining me today, he invented planking, alternate energy sources, and Zumba in his spare time. It is Chad Peabody. I mean, I mean, Chad Hopkins. <laughs> How are you, Chad? I'm doing great, TJ. How are you? What's it like to be the most famous talking dog ever um busy okay (laughs) yeah you know uh getting called for special events all the time and coming up with puns on the spot it's 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 a busy life consulting with presidents and foreign diplomat diplomats and and things like that yeah and being besties with leonardo da vinci exactly Oh, well, Chad, I am tired tonight. I I had a long day at work. We're actually recording even later than we intended because I got stuck at work on a kind of a not really an emergency, but something that needed to be taken care of before the day was over. So I'm going to be probably a little bit lackadaisical and out of it, and I probably won't be able to talk much. I'll just be over here. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm kind of hanging my head and and I don't know. This this whole angle is not working. People, is is this the show? Is this what people tune in for? Probably not. So yeah, listen to us talk about how exhausting our days were. Uh, So we should talk about some movie stuff, but before we do that, um, you, you just, uh, sent me a, uh, a chat, uh, a a picture via iMessage Uh and it is, uh, you with your headphones in, uh, wearing the t-shirt of which we discussed last week. Yes. All in full color, Eagle of America. Giving a salute to all nations, but mostly America. Yeah, now it's interesting. <laughs> I've, I've been uh, <laughs> I've been watching a few of the uh, episodes via YouTube uh, on, um, you know, or the original Muppet episodes. See, I am tired. Ugh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I've been watching some of the Muppet episodes on YouTube, and they're quite enjoyable, surprisingly to me, because... There's like no plot. They're not going anywhere right. with the show, uh, and uh, they're they're just still f- kind of fun. So yeah, well, uh, a lot of the Muppet Show is sort of like Saturday Night Live, isn't it? It's just lots of skits. Yeah, it was. It's mostly just lots of skits and and uh, you know the, you know making fun of the of the uh, guest of the week. They usually have a guest who I think um, I I think maybe I'm supposed to know if I lived in the 70s, but. Um, I don't, so I don't know who, who 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 most of these guests are. Although I did find one, um, that was uh, uh, Luke Skywalker. Uh, what's what's the guy's name who plays Luke Skywalker? Uh, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Yes, I did find uh, one with Mark Hamill that was pretty corny and pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, you sent it to me. I haven't had the chance to watch it. You uh, you slay me. Uh, what's wrong with you? You like I'm Muppets. Sorry. You like Star Wars, right? I, I do. And and you haven't taken the time to watch this. Not quite. Uh, I'm gonna have to find that and put it in the show notes for people to watch. It's 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 quite embarrassingly fun. Like like it's it's one of those things where you cringe the entire time, and it's still fun. I see. I think Mark. that's the sort of humor that's at the heart of the Muppets, though, and that's why I love them. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, uh, where? Jeez, I have lost the link. I know I sent it to you. Here it is. Here it is. Muppet Show starring Mark Hamill. Yeah, I'll uh, grab that link. Copy, give you a blow by blow here. Paste, 
into the show notes. There we go. The show notes for this episode, of course, since this is episode 82, will be at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 82. So, yeah, I ha- I've been having a lot of fun with that. I don't, you know, there's like five or six seasons or something. I don't know if I'm going to watch that much, but yeah. I just kind of wanted to prepare myself. And, and I actually have just received via Netflix uh, the Muppets movie from, was it 2011? Oh, yeah, the, the just the Muppets. Yeah, the Muppets. Uh, Great. So I'm going to watch that uh, probably not tonight because by the time we get done record- recording the podcast, it's going to be find a few posts for Movie Bite tomorrow and go to bed. Maybe if I'm lucky, I'll watch <laughs> House of Cards because I really want to finish the season so I can t- uh, join the cultural conversation. But <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, well, Chad, uh, our next topic, uh, the thing that I put in the show notes here, is something that is near and dear to my heart. Have you ever... Now, now, answer carefully. Have you ever played Portal? Yes, TJ. I have played both Portal games on wow. both my PC and my Xbox and my PS3. I, I almost wish that I had an Xbox or PS3 just for this game. I played it on my Mac, and it, it's fine, but I feel like if I had real controllers instead of the mouse and the keyboard, I might like it better. But, I mean, I, I've played both games multiple times. Oh, I'm same here. desperately wishing for uh, Portal 3. Oh, me too. That would be so cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to make it. Anyway, okay, so this this topic, uh, this is not uh, not technically uh, GLaDOS, 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 however you say that. <laughs> GLaDOS <laughs> is how I normally say it. Okay, GLaDOS. Uh, it's, anyways, it, it's an acronym. Uh, so <laughs> um, I, this is not technically GLaDOS, but it is the uh, woman who voiced GLaDOS, and with the same modulation in her voice, uh, you, you know, same processing and effects, and uh, she... Right is playing a an artificial intelligence is being installed in a NASA facility and she's explaining the difference between fusion and fission and the sarcasm is just right i mean it's all very gladys <laughs> yeah you know i i was i saw you put this in the show notes and i started watching and i thought you know i'll watch the first minute or two get sort of get the idea and i couldn't stop watching through the whole <laughs> video just because uh, it's it's so funny it's so true to the character as presented in the games that i just wanted to see what she was going to say next um it was great. Yeah, and and a pretty you know pretty decent. I I I knew of course technically the difference between fusion and fission. I'm not stupid, but I I thought <laughs> that it um it was a good uh really good easy to understand explanation too. I mean everything about this video is just so fun. So, yeah, I agree. So check that out, and um yeah, I'm I'm glad that you like Portal. I mean because so often usually with movies, uh and and it's weird because <laughs> I don't know if you're like a gamer person. I'm not necessarily like a gamer like i like mario games i have the wii and the wii u i actually have a wii u i get i sold the wii and so i have a wii u and i have several mario games and i have a couple other games that i rarely play and then i have portal and that's pretty much it for my gaming i don't know how you are with gaming i'm a pretty casual gamer i I mean i've I've played them all my life but i I don't go out and buy all the latest shoot 'em ups lately over the past couple of years most of my choices in games have been more cinematic um, like the Uncharted series for the PlayStation 3 um, and stuff along that ilk where the the story is more of the presentation than uh, the shooting or any sort of intense gameplay. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely... With Portal sort of being the exception, um, although it does have a really good strong story. Well, I was going to say, it's very story-driven. Well. It's not really a shoot em up although, you know, the turrets can can get you a little bit bloody. <laughs> but right. uh, and, and, of course, there's the goo you don't want to fall into. But Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think I would definitely, I don't like shoot 'em up games, but I'll tell you, um, this has made me at least want to explore the Half-Life universe, 
uh-huh. uh, just because this is it's set in that universe, but I don't know how different it would be. I mean, it's more of a shooter game, I think, isn't it? Half-Life? I think so. Uh, well, yeah, it is uh, more of a first-person shooter. I have the orange box, which has Portal wrapped into it and uh, Half-Life 2, and I've never really sat down and played it, so I might mm-hmm. have to give that a shot. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely made me want to explore that. I'm not sure how different it would be or whether Portal is sort of the, a microcosm within that. You know, all the gamers who listen to the show, they're just cringing right now. They're like, you <laughs> shut up. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but I definitely enjoy Portal, and I definitely enjoy it for the story aspect as much as anything, um, even though it's fun to solve the puzzles and to figure out, you know, exactly how to position your portals and get where you're trying to go and, and all that stuff. I, I definitely enjoy the story aspect. I think that's why I liked Portal 2 even a lot better than the first portal right well the first portal was definitely considered more of a mini game and then the popularity of it exploded and uh that's why we have portal 2 and yeah. thank goodness for that well it's almost like portal 1 the first portal was almost like a a, a pilot if you will or or right. a proof of concept right and, and portal 2 definitely upped the ante quite a bit so yeah uh anyway back to the back on topic <laughs> we straight off topic a little bit uh gladys explains the difference between fusion and fission and it's a great video and a lot of fun and it's in the show notes and you should check it out so to get back on to a topic that this uh podcast is ostensibly about um uh <laughs> idris elba idris idris elba I've heard, I think uh, it's Idris. Yeah. I had a friend who scorned me for saying Idris, so <laughs> I'm going to stick to Idris for now. N- name pronunciation is the bane of my existence. So Idris, <laughs> I couldn't tell. Idris Elba is uh, has been cast in Disney's The Jungle Book. There are two Jungle Books being made, by the way, uh, one by Warner Brothers and one by Disney. Idris Elba has been cast in the Disney Jungle Book. Can you guess, any, anybody out there, can you guess who he's playing? I, you, it's not fair for me to ask you. You've already read this. I have. Uh, so he's <laughs> he's playing Shere Khan. This is according to Russ Fisher over at Slash Film. Disney has picked up momentum on developing its version of The Jungle Book, which is set to be a live-action film with extensive CG embellishment. Project has just cast Idris Elba as Shere Khan the Tiger, whose name literally means king. Elba has a regal bearing no matter what he's doing, and even his voice alone should be able to command respect and instill fear. That I sounds think, really cool. Yeah, I guess so. I um, it's it's one of those movies where I'm really like, why do we need more Jungle Book live action? I don't care. Oh, I agree. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I can I could see where that maybe that would be cool. Maybe I I don't know. Yeah, and I do know um, Fizz is probably jumping up and down with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> he loves right. Andrew Selba. Are you familiar at all with the the, the Lion King Broadway production? Mm-mm. Um. Well, uh, it's one of Disney's I think it's Disney's second stage production after Beauty and the Beast and uh it's really cool because it's all played by humans of course but they wear these really detailed elaborate animal styled costumes and so um like for Simba or for Scar they have these elaborate lion styled headdresses that sort of arch and lunge when they move their bodies a certain way because of how the costume is structured. Okay. And uh, the whole thing is very, very cool. You should just go to uh, like Google and image search a few pictures of Lion King Broadway and um, see how visual it is. And the only thing I'm, the only reason I mention it is because I, I have this picture in my head of Idris Elba wearing this uh, lion or tiger, sorry, tiger headdress uh, walking around as Shere Khan, and it, it looks pretty cool in my mind's eye, at least. Okay, those are some crazy images you're telling me to Google here. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh man, you should see the stage production anytime you can, because it's the coolest. I actually saw it on Broadway. 
I'm gonna. I don't. I have no idea what the site is that I found this image on, but I'm linking directly to the image, so people probably won't. You know, I, I have no. I, again, I have no idea what the site is, but I'm gonna put it in the show notes. Uh, let's see, I'll put it right in order there, right there. Yeah, I mean, we're we're still sort of unclear as to exactly how this movie is going to be made. Whether I mean, obviously, it says live action, but then it says extensive CG additions. So I'm curious to see exactly the approach they take. Whether they're going to still have all these. Um, sort of uh, animal characters like we had in the original Jungle Book uh, animated film or if they're going to try and break away a little bit from that. Well, a lot of people have brought up Life of Pi and some have been lamenting the fact that that, that production company that made the uh, visual effects no longer exists because they think right. they'd be perfect. You know, they just they did the tiger. But my impression is that we're going to see CGI, but it's going to be as lifelike as possible. I'm, I'm thinking Aslan here type in CGI. Okay. That's, I, I could be wrong, but that's what I'm envisioning when they're talking about live action with heavy CGI. Um, right. And, and, and there's a lot of things that would sort of lend itself to that thinking. We don't really know for sure. I mean, Disney hasn't told anybody exactly what they're doing, and so you know, except for people under uh, non-disclosure agreements. So, right. um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, and, and the other interesting thing about this is it's directed by John Favreau, uh, who made a great Iron Man film and a terrible Iron Man film. <laughs> uh, so I'm not quite sure whether this is good or bad. I'm trying to think what else has he done. I don't know if I've seen anything else he's done. I know he was he's um, been involved with Revolution, the TV show, which which I have liked a lot. Um, so uh, let's see, John Favreau. Let's just see real quick what else he's done. Yeah, I'm looking him up as well. Producer, of course, Revolution. Uh, I want to see. Director. He directed Elf with uh, oh, Will Ferrell in it. So no. uh, I know. Well, you say that, but the rest of the world rejoices yes. because they love that movie. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens, which is on my list to see. I've heard good and bad things about it. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens is just good, stupid fun. Yeah, I, I figured it'd be fun. Um, uh, other than that, I don't recognize a lot of these directorial efforts. Yeah, he directed he did Zathura. He directed the Revolution pilot, and I know he's had a lot of shaping of the story. So, um, right, and I've been very, very happy with, on the whole, very pleased with Revolution. I, I do kind of wish they'd get somewhere at this point. Like, I feel like they're dragging things out a little bit, and it felt like they were about to resolve something in the episode last week, and it turned out they didn't resolve anything. They just sort of wound up <laughs> back where they were. So, I don't know if I'm going to continue to like the show, but I have enjoyed yeah. it. So, you should watch it. Okay, I'll check it out. Maybe. Yeah, the first season is certainly worth watching. If you're not hooked by if you're not hooked by the first few episodes, then you know, forget it. But I, I, I was hooked. I enjoyed it. So cool. Okay, have you seen the original Annie? I have. I feel like I have, but I remember nothing about it. I'm sure <laughs> I was a, a small boy when I saw it. I'm trying to remember when, when did the uh, let me click here. When did it come out? 1982. Uh, 19, so the, the year yeah. I was born. I was thinking it was right around there. I know, I feel like I've seen this film. I remember nothing. And maybe that's why, Chad, I really liked this trailer. Ugh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, let me get this straight. I, I, I'm i not a huge fan of the original Annie movie. I do remember, uh, I have fond memories of watching it with my family as a child. Uh, I haven't watched it much over the years, but it's it's not something that I just am burning to watch all the time. It's not. I, I enjoy musicals, and it's not on my top musical list. Um, but there's just Fair something enough. about this remake that does not sit well with me. Please tell me the sound of music is at the top of your musicals list. That's another one I haven't seen in years and I need to refresh my memory. I'm sure it would be toward the top. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't really say whether the original is or not. I found this trailer, and, and my wife completely agrees with me, and, and for us to completely agree on a movie trailer is, is odd, but, um, <laughs> I found it delightful. I, I, I thought, man, this looks really fun. Even Cameron Diaz, because she's awful. I thought I'm, she I'm was, not, I'm not, I, I'm I thought not she was, in general. I just hated her in this trailer. I thought she was great. I thought it was perfect. Uh. <laughs> and well, I don't like the, the, the modern remixes of the songs and I thought it was great. At least the sneak peeks that we heard. I, mm. I don't, her voice isn't as grating as the, uh, original film Annie though. So I guess that can be said about, uh, I looked it up before the podcast. Yeah. A Wallace. I, I did see some people, uh, panning the film prematurely i haven't even seen it or the trailer i suppose because uh the star annie the the new annie is a black girl and and that really really frustrates me it just irritates the heck out of me that yeah that's not acceptable yeah i mean there are other reasons legitimate reasons to not look forward to or uh to push aside a film and that is not one of them no not at all I, i thought the little girl looked delightful Oh, she's great. Um, did you ever see Beast of the Southern Wild? I haven't. It's very good. Um, I, I watched it in preparation for last year's Oscars, and I actually own it on Blu-ray. It's uh, part of my um, improvised mic stand made out of Blu-rays. Ah, uh, yeah. That right one. I think we put that in the show notes a couple episodes back. Yes, and uh, it is in that stack, and it is a very good movie, and she's excellent in it. So I, I'm not worried about her acting ability. I'm not worried about jamie fox's acting ability i'm sort of questioning cameron diaz's a little bit um but i mean we'll just have to see what the uh future brings for this movie okay before i add this film uh beast of the southern wild to my um my netflix uh disc queue because it's not available for watch now this is why i went back to getting discs as well as watch now because so much stuff is just i either have to pay for it on itunes anyway that side side story (laughs) Uh, before i add it to my disc queue please tell me a little bit more about beast of the southern wild um, it takes place in an island. I think it's an island just south of Louisiana. Um, it's an urban community um, of people who just don't, they don't live on the mainland. They, I'm doing a very poor job of describing this. I'm looking up a better explanation. Okay. Um, but a Quivengine plays this little girl named Hush Puppy. And here. Okay, so as a storm approaches a southern Louisiana bayou community called The Bathtub, a community cut off from the rest of the world by a levee, six-year-old hush puppy and her unhealthy, hot-tempered father, Wink, are optimistic about their life and their future. And, I mean, that's a good starting point. I don't want to read you the whole summary that Wikipedia has here because it's a few paragraphs. Uh, Wikipedia um, summaries are horrible. They're very spoilerific. It's like, let me condense the story down into five paragraphs. It's like, what? No, I (laughs) I want the one paragraph non-spoiler summary. Right, but I mean, it's just this girl who's living with her father, surviving day to day, enjoying life. It, okay. it, it's just a celebration of that sort of feel of film. Okay, and well, all, all the all these actors, this is a first time acting experience for every single one of them, and they all do a great job. Well, I just added it to my disc queue. Uh, interestingly, um, it's uh, it, one of the first things it recommends. You know how it pops up with a recommendation after you add something, or maybe you don't. I don't know if you've ever gotten discs from Netflix, mm-hmm. but um, so it, it recommends several. And like the third thing is Secondhand Lions, which I've seen and it's okay. So I don't know. Maybe that speaks well for this movie. I don't know. We'll see. 
and I'm um, reaching here for 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 Beast of the Southern Wild. This was uh, Quivenchene Wallace. She was nine years old, so she's the youngest Best Actress nominee in history. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited so, to. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for the Annie film. To tell you the truth, I, I just I think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be great. I may be completely wrong about my first impression. I think you are. I hope I am. So we'll see. I think you are. Okay. Just like you were wrong. No. Well, okay. Let's talk about this film. (laughs) Okay. So let's dive in to Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Okay. I'm a little nervous to talk about this with you because I don't know what your opinion is yet. You don't, do you? You have no idea. Not officially. I I was about to type up my notes in the uh, Google document that we use for the show outline. I thought, no, I'll just type them up over here in Evernote and uh, (laughs) keep you keep you uh, guessing. And I think my notes would be misleading anyway because they're weighted a little more one way, even though I I don't feel quite that one way so much as my notes would lead you to believe. Okay. It's just it's it's that sort of movie. Like I I have a hard time coming up with the the weight on the side that I would like to. Um, Right. So. So uh, the film opened in theaters on March the seventh, two thousand fourteen. It had a budget of one hundred forty-five million. Chad, holy moly, one hundred forty-five million. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty high. <sighs> I would I wouldn't call this film worthy of a one hundred forty-five million dollar budget. Oh, um, uh, sorry. Opening weekend, thirty-two point two million uh, domestically. Now total worldwide is up to a hundred point two million. So they're they're getting there. It'll be. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I've, I've forgotten what's coming up around it that, that may bump it down, but, uh, well, in fact, I don't think I put filled in the show notes of what we're doing next week and I don't remember what it is. So, uh, anyway, um, so, uh, critical acclaim says that Mr. Peabody and Sherman offers a surprisingly entertaining burst of colorful all ages fun, despite its dated source material and rather convoluted plot. It was directed by Rob Minkoff, who, uh, also directed Stuart Little and the Lion King. I did not know that until tonight. I told you that last week when I was lobbying to watch this instead of 300. I was just thinking that as I said that. I thought, oh, that rings a little bit of a bell. Um, (laughs) So uh, writers Craig uh, Craig Wright wrote the screenplay, and it's based on the series uh, produced by Jay Ward, um, starring Ty Burrell as Mr. Peabody, Max Charles as Sherman, uh, Ariel Winter as Penny Peterson, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky as Principal Purdy, uh, Allison Janney as Miss Grunion, Stephen Colbert as Paul Peterson, uh, Leslie Mann as Patty Peterson, Zach Callison as King Tut, Mel Brooks as Albert Einstein, and Stanley Tucci as uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Tell us a little bit about the music, Chad. You're our music guy around here. I am. Um, It's composed by Danny Elfman, who has sort of been eh for me over the years. Uh, A lot of his music sounds the same, especially all of his Tim Burton-y films, Um, but I thought his music here was great. I have the soundtrack. I listen to it a lot, and it's very good. Okay, I'm looking up to see what movies he's been a composer on so that I can... Uh... Okay, the original 1989 Batman, uh, the original... Well, actually, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Yes, love those. The first that, two. I was, I was, that's the first place I was going, is I love the all first of two. The, I love his scores for the first two Spider-Man films. Uh, he and then did, every single Tim Burton film you can think of. <laughs> yeah, I think he always <laughs> collaborates with Tim Burton. Um, right. He uh, he did Oz the Great and Powerful, which I love that soundtrack. I have that soundtrack, uh-huh. and I listen I to it. I actually have that one, too. I listen to it quite a bit. Uh, Men in Black 3, did he do all the Men in Blacks? I'm scrolling here. It seems like he might um, have. I'm not sure. 
Uh, yes, he did the first one at least. There's Men in Black. Men in Black 2. Yeah, I thought he did. And he's done such a great job with those scores. Uh, despite the fact I was a little disappointed with Men in Black 3, the score was wonderful. Um, so I've been very happy with those. I, I don't have it. I don't harbor these ill will feelings that you have toward Danny Elfman. It's, it's the same complaint I used to have about Hans Zimmer, where just a lot of his film scores do sound very similar to each other. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know that I agree with that. Um, because I mean, just thinking about his score for, uh, Oz, the great and powerful, which was so original to me. I mean, right. it didn't well, sound like I, Spider-Man. I, I like that one. It, it, um, it certainly didn't sound like Spider-Man, you know, which you might expect given that he's working with the same director and a fanciful story. But uh, I, I liked I liked it a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking more along the lines of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Alice in Wonderland. Well, and, I mean, come on. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is <laughs> just a bad film all around. Eh. <laughs> you don't agree? I mean, I, I don't completely disagree, but um, uh, it was a wretched the, film. The newer film is truer to the book. That it's based on. So sure, I I understand that. I I just don't. I mean, if that that being the case, I don't like the original. <laughs> um. So did okay. So what was the analysis? What was your anal- final uh, analysis on this score? Did you like it? Did you not like? I it? I did like it. I, I was actually listening to it while I typed up my review today. And I, I can't remember much about it. Which I always I'm always like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like if you can't remember the score, but your your general impressions were good. Maybe that's a good thing because it kind of did its job without drawing too much attention to itself. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't remember much about the music. I'm, I'll probably – I usually go later uh, after a couple of weeks and listen to the music again. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's it's not anything that stuck out for sure. Not not like Oz the Great and Powerful, which I remember and loved uh, just from watching the film. So Okay. Uh, all right. So Chad, give us a little bit of backstory here. Tell Tell us about this film and its story. Okay, Mr. Peabody is a business titan, inventor, scientist, gourmand, two-time Olympic medalist, and genius, who also happens to be a dog. Using his most ingenious invention, the Wayback Machine, Mr. Peabody and his adopted boy Sherman hurtle back in time to experience world-changing events firsthand and interact with some of the greatest characters of all time. But when Sherman breaks the rules of time travel, our two heroes find themselves in a race to repair history and save the future, while Mr. Peabody may face his biggest challenge yet. Being a parent. All right. So your review goes live tomorrow morning, and it will go live before the podcast airs. Uh, it'll go live at eight. Uh, the podcast will go live at nine. So people will have a chance to read that before uh, before they uh, listen to this podcast. You were a little bit disappointed, I take it. I was. Um, you know, I, I I was looking forward to this film um, mainly for the time travel aspects. We all know I like time travel. You like Back to um, the Future specifically. I do. Which I, would, <laughs> I, do I would not call the hallmark of time travel movies. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe I haven't seen enough time travel movies, but Back to the Future lines it up just the way I like it. Um, and I, I was a little bit disappointed holes. here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it happens. You, I don't think you can do a time travel movie without plot holes. But you can do better than Back to the Future, let me just say. I love Back to the uh, Future, don't get me wrong. I love Back <laughs> to the Future. I would, I would, I, I don't like pure, you know, science time travel movies. Uh, or, or even, I, I don't even like time, let, let's say I don't like time travel movies that are consistent within themselves. Uh, I, I prefer movies that are not consistent like Back to the Future because they're a lot more fun. A, a good right. example, I think, of a time travel movie that's very consistent is 12 Monkeys. I hate that film a lot. 
<laughs> but it's very consistent with its theory of time travel, how things work, how the universe fits together, how time travel affects things. It's very consistent within itself in that way. Okay. And, 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 I, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. And, and Back to the Future and by consequence, this film, too, because it's it's a similar sort of way to look at time travel, is not consistent. Like sometimes what you do affects the timeline this way. Sometimes what you do affects the timeline this way. And there's no real rhyme or reason to it. That's OK. It's fun. So, okay continue <laughs> right um but so that being said i i was a little bit disappointed i didn't love this film like i sort of hoped to um but i did have a, a good fun in a good time i had lots of fun in the theater and i did enjoy it overall yeah uh, and and i was surprised at how much i did enjoy it um i i i, I will say that it's punny <laughs> it, it was very wonderfully punny yeah and and i don't necessarily always enjoy that but i i found it to be um quite enjoyable in this film much to my surprise uh there were I only the a couple of times delivery. Yeah, maybe that's what it was there were only a couple of times i'm like oh come on no sometimes those are the best ones tj <laughs> the, the utterly and totally lameness sometimes you're, you're right sometimes it works but i'm but in this film there were a couple of times like oh you didn't in a fun way and there was just once or twice i don't remember the exact instances but i was like oh you didn't no <laughs> uh yeah but overall i would say that i really enjoyed the humor in this film I never, I never got to the point where I was almost falling out of my seat. Humor funny, which sometimes I feel like maybe the film needed once or twice, and it never got there. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, so, so kind of an example uh, where Penny says, uh, "I'm Princess uh, Hatshepse." I don't remember how she said that or how to pronounce that. A precious uh-huh. flower of the Nile, and Mr. Peabody says, "If you think we're going to leave you here, you are most definitely in denial." <laughs> okay that's the sort of humor we're talking about here and it's excellent it's it's wonderful he received uh, i received my degree from harvard valedoctorian of course <laughs> uh and, and then of course my my favorite so he's a literal literally a dog and mr peabody's like i prefer the term literate dog <laughs> uh yeah yeah so. i thought ty burrell was great as the main guy, main character i had no idea it was ty burrell yeah, I, I think that's part of uh, what fueled it. You know, I don't know if I would have known it was him without a cast list. Yeah, it's um, interesting. He he's, brings a lot of variety to the role, and it's very sort of out of character for him, which works very well. Yeah. All I have to say is don't tase me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a very good balance of humor for the most part, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah okay, we'll get to that in a minute. All right, yes. so um, it, it was just a lot of fun, and it was energetic, and... In, in this case, sometimes being family friendly is not a bonus point for a film, but certainly in this case, uh, I feel like it was family friendly in just the right ways, and it wasn't it wasn't so stupid that it was family friendly. Like, oh, the kids can watch it and the adults hate it, uh, uh-huh. you know. But it was certainly family friendly. I guess when I think of DreamWorks, I think more of Shrek, which is not. I would not call that family friendly. I have not let my kids watch Shrek yet, even though I love Shrek. But it's right. just not the sort of family film that I want my kids watching even though people think of shrek as a family film it's like no not yet yeah. <laughs> not yet i don't want my seven-year-old repeating some of that stuff right maybe um, maybe maybe shrek three or four which are a lot more mindless and not as good <laughs> i like shrek four i hate shrek three okay shrek four so, shrek forever after i enjoyed okay to be fair i have not seen shrek four so i was speaking out of turn i feel like but, uh, shrek, shrek four was really not. brought it back like shrek three was just 
dumb. I would never watch it again <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I unfortunately paid to see that one in theaters. Oh. So unfortunately Shrek forever after, I think nobody knows about it that well because it went straight to DVD because of the, the crash that's that, that uh, Shrek four Shrek three was. Are you sure? I don't think it went straight to DVD. Mm, I could be wrong. Shrek forever after. May 21st. It has a box office earning. Does it? Hmm. Yeah. I thought that went straight to DVD. Mm-mm. Was Shrek 4 straight to DVD? We'll ask Google. Yeah, it was straight to DVD. It may have hit the theater somewhere. Um, that's, that's strange. It... it uh, yeah, Shrek Forever After premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. It was released on May 20, 2010 in Russia, while the American release followed the next day. The film was released in IMAX 3D format. Okay, I that's weird. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess, I'm seeing okay. box office gross of $238.7 million. Wow, so I'm surprised they haven't made more at that rate. Okay. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. You need to see it. Okay. It's not Shrek 2, but it's good. Okay. All right, back to... Uh, Peabody. Mr. Peabody and uh, Sherman. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it as a family-friendly film as well. I kind of wish I had taken my son, although I mean, it's just I can't take him to every film I see because I see, a, you know, every family-friendly film I see even because I see a lot of those. So, right. Uh, but it was good. It was fun. I, I enjoyed it. And if I have the chance, I'll certainly take him. I, I wouldn't be afraid to take my kids to see this film. Yeah. So do you have anything else positive to say about this film? Oh, I, I have a few things. Um, Let's do it. Let's see. Um, actually, I guess I, I've spoken pretty generally about all my positives, so I think we can move on. <laughs> Make up your mind, Chad. Well, I was looking over my notes and okay. I thought, oh, well, I guess I have covered all of this. Well, this is what I mean. Well, this is what I meant when I said earlier that I, I, I think that you would get the wrong impression from looking over my notes. I have a, a, a larger dislike list than I do likes even though I enjoyed the film and I hate it when that happens and it happens a lot. It's for some reason, maybe this is a, this is a failing of TJ is that it's easier (laughs) to complain about a film and its problems than it is to find things to like about it. I need to work on being more specific about how I like to film, I guess. Um, but, but okay. So for my dislikes of this film, I felt like the plot was way overcomplicated, especially in the latter half. Like it was fine at first, but then it's like, in order to resolve things, it got a little weird. Right. I think the first half up to Egypt was fine. But then as soon as they left Egypt and they started having complications with the time machine and uh, trying to recharge the way back and getting back here and then fixing this paradox, that's when it started just getting a little bit I, I would too be, much. I, I would think. say for me, it was really right after the paradox, like even maybe just as the paradox was happening when I started feeling, when I felt like it started going off the rails, even though Uh like to me, it did change notes a little bit when he's talking with Da Vinci and Da Vinci knows him and they're building this, you know, this really cool thing for this gadget. That's obviously very futuristic. And okay, I will suspend my disbelief and I will buy that. And I will pretend that that's not affecting the, uh, the timeline in a negative way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's fine. Uh, but then it, after that, I think this is when it kind of ran off the rails, not, not ran off the rails in a way that's like, Oh, I don't enjoy this at all. Just kind of went a little nutty. Right. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. 
um, I, I didn't like the paradox or what the paradox ended up doing. Um, it just seemed a little strange, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, okay, if time travel were possible, and I don't believe it is, but if, if well, it were, no. um, well, there are plenty of people who think that under that that we just haven't figured out how to do it, but that it could be done. I'm, and see, I could get into trouble for this. I, I, <laughs> I, I really, it, let me say this. If time travel were possible, I would say that it is already integrated into our lives. Like if I were in the future to travel back in time, that has already happened. If I were to travel back to a point previous to this, I've already been there. From You, you see what I'm saying? Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm more of an internally consistent time travel type of person. So right, so maybe the, the, prisoner of Azkaban. Yes, style? yes, okay. that that is how I believe time travel would work were it possible, and right. that that comes directly from my. Uh, this is where I'm going to get into trouble because I know we have non Christians who listen to this. This because comes directly from my Christianity. I believe that God is sovereign over all things, and therefore, like I don't believe in this multiple split timeline thing. Right. That, that's not to say I don't find that fun and fascinating as a concept in movies, but anyway. Right. So, so, um, where was, I was going somewhere with that. What was the last, what was the thing we said right before? I, I mentioned the paradox. Yeah. Okay. So the paradox thing was a little weird. Like when you see paradoxes, if, if two people, if, if my future self showed up, why does touching me instigate a paradox? Like, I don't get that. It's really weird. And why does that paradox instantly teleport people from the past to the present? Oh, you mean through the black hole? Yeah, that just it felt weird. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the idea was it was a rift, and and so time the the barriers of time was breaking down. That that I understood more. That felt more time travel, tra- more time travel paradoxy to me. Yeah, for me, it just seemed like we want to get all of these famous people in the city right now, so we're going to create this paradox that will accomplish that, so we can have lots of silly fun gags. Yeah, I'm not with sure all these how special characters. I'm not sure how Bill Clinton got there since he's still alive, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, <laughs> since, since you brought up Bill Clinton, I just want to say that his one-liner was hysterical, but it's probably the one joke and, in the film that was not family-friendly. And completely inappropriate, yeah. But it's right. one of those things, though, where I know my children would never – they wouldn't think twice about it, and so it's like it goes right over your head. So That was one of two jokes that had my friends and I laughing out loud, yeah, or, like it, crying in our seats. It was pretty funny, for sure. <clears throat> um. So the other thing that really bothered me about this film, again, and I, I realize I'm nitpicking at an animated film, <laughs> but I didn't understand the rules of this world. And I, I know this probably goes back to the source material, like they're being consistent with the source material, but I didn't understand the rules of the world. What 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 is the place of dogs? Why do we only ever see one dog? Why is it that it's just accepted that he can talk? How is it that he just won this court case to adopt a human and he's a talking dog, and this is not a novel thing. He's not in a lab somewhere. Is that like? But we didn't see any other talking dogs. I I just didn't understand the rules of the world. I didn't understand yeah. it at all. I see where you're coming from, but I I wouldn't see that as an issue. Maybe because I I've watched shows like uh, Family Guy that has just a talking dog, and just no reason. Or even even Disney, you have Goofy who can talk, and Pluto can. Yeah, but in in um, the in the world of Disney, in 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 Mickey Mouse's world, animals talk. In this world, it was like one dog talks, and that's and, and and it was just accepted throughout history. When he would travel to a previous time period, the dog talked, and and people were friends with him, and that's just the way it was. And there were no other talking dogs, and there was no rules set for the world. Okay, I, I do see that as a fair point. Where uh, time traveling um, and interacting with people, they they don't blink an eye at him being a dog. That that would be an issue for uh, for me. I think 
But uh, I think in present day, just having a talking dog, um, I it didn't bother me. Okay. Uh, what do you not like about this film? I was really sad that the intro wasn't funnier because we've seen it a million times in the trailers. Um, the the yeah. intro where he introduces himself as Mr. Peabody and all of his com- accomplishments and he created Zumba. And the first time I saw that in the trailer, I thought that was hysterical. Hey, look, a dog created Zumba. That's funny. Um, but then by the time I saw the movie, I'd seen that trailer 20 times in front of other movies and it just wasn't as funny. I think the beginning could have been a lot better if we hadn't seen so much of it already. Um, yeah. And most of the jokes were pretty good, I think, but some did fall flat. Uh, the one that comes to mind is the I don't get it. Um, where, yeah. where, 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 why, sure, why there, do they keep doing that? A, I don't know. There's a rule in comedy where you can use a joke three times before it gets old. Um, and Sherman actually only uses this joke three times where he laughs at a joke or a pun that Mr. Peabody has made, and then he says, I don't get it. And it was funny for me, maybe the first two times. Well, the third time, it started getting old. And, and then, then they uh, had Agamemnon, the yeah. Agamemnon said it, and then it just wasn't funny. It's like, oh, uh, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it just was overused. I think the two times were fine. Maybe the third time... A little bit of a stretch, but that's still in the rule of three for comedy. It's okay. Um, I think, but, yeah, I think what would yeah. have been funny is if Sherman had done it twice and then Agamemnon, however you say that, uh, I, I think if he had done it once as, as a callback, that would have been fine too, maybe. Yeah, that would have probably been best because that's the rule of three and you're splitting up between characters to add more humor to it. I'm pretty so. sure it was more than four times though. It certainly felt like more than four. I was so done with that joke when they, when they quit. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know. I only remember four times. Okay. But uh, I may be missing one or two. Yeah. Um, I have a note here that I don't remember what I meant. I, I say the whole separation plot line was weird and pointless. I'm separation. trying. Separation. I wonder if I typed oh, the wrong it, it, word. It, no, I bet you're talking about uh, when Sherman decides to leave. He, he gets upset with Mr. Peabody and he goes off to... Troy. No, I don't think I was talking about that because I actually understood that. There was something I, – I'm, I'm thinking I may have typed the wrong word. I do that on occasion. Like I'll be thinking <laughs> one word and I my, my fingers type the wrong word and I have no idea what that note meant now. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. So so then my other two notes are the biting Miss Grunion thing. That was very strange and out of character. Like I just don't see Mr. Peabody doing that even under the duress he was under. That was just weird and completely out of character. And it, yeah. it sort of proved her point. After all this time, <laughs> sitting here going, you know, hating Miss Grunion, and then he goes and does that, and you're like, wait, what? Right. I, I didn't understand what the point of that was. Yeah, and that sort of leads into the whole, the, the climax of the film, when uh, the whole, I'm a dog too moment. Yeah, and, it was weird. Oh, it was so strange. Like, I, I appreciated the sentiment of it. It was a sweet moment for a split second. And then they had the entire city saying, I'm a dog too. And it was just overdone and lame. And I wish they had come up with something better. Yeah. No, I agree. And then my final complaint is that I didn't, uh, and I don't care for the CGI style. Uh, the ultra big heads, the glasses over the years, the, the, just the... Just the over-exaggerated, over-emphasized features of every single character. I really, really don't like that. Right. You know, I think for that one, though, that one is them trying to be true to the original uh, production. I'm sure, the yeah. The original 
characters as presented in the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Um, so I guess they were just trying to not stray too far from that, but I, I can see where you're coming from. It's, it's different than DreamWorks normally does because if you look at uh, how to train your dragon, uh, those are a lot more along the Pixar style of animation um, where they are a little bit more realistic proportions in relation to the rest of their bodies, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't like it. It just bothered me I, the whole time. I'm looking at, at uh, Peabody's and Sherman's glasses and going, wait, how do those stay on? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because I wear glasses and it bothers me. It just bugs me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that's, that's really all I've got. What do you, do you have anything else? <clears throat> No, I think that actually covers it for me, too. I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this movie, but I did enjoy it. And, you know, I have yeah, my few and, and that's the thing. Despite but, the complaints, I certainly did enjoy it. It was fine. Uh, and, and I, I yes, yeah, certainly go see it. It's it's fun. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. It, it was a good film. I, I appreciated them using time travel as an educational tool um, where Mr. Peabody was saying, okay, Sherman, we're going to go back to meet Albert Einstein today, and we're going to hear him talk personally about the theory of relativity. Yeah. And here's a pun. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I really appreciated that aspect of it, where it wasn't just mindless time traveling. It was time traveling for a purpose. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was a lot of fun. Uh, much more fun than I expected. I will, I will give you that. I will, I will give it to you. Yes. You win, you win. Hooray. Okay. Well, it's we haven't talked about this beforehand, and because we were late getting started, I didn't have time to think about it. And so I'm as we're getting to this point in the show, I'm just now thinking about it and wondering what we're going to watch next week. Although I suppose we should give, we should give our star ratings. I'm, I'm really off my game. We should give our star okay. ratings. What do you rate this film, Chad? I give it three and a half out of five stars. Um, and I do the same. I think, yeah. I mean, I, it's a nice decent film rating it's nothing stellar um but it also isn't something we wouldn't recommend we both i think i I wouldn't say we both recommend it strongly but we we both recommend it as a good fun family film with uh high entertainment value yeah for sure all right chad so here's the thing i put three days to kill in the scheduled uh column on trello but i'm i'm not i'm I'm waffling on that i'm not tied to it i kind of want to see it I know you probably want to see the Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel, which I'm not that excited about. I yeah. kind of want to see 300 Rise of an Empire, although I know there's going to be some sex scenes in it that I'm not going to be happy about. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I'm kind of torn on all this. Uh, there's um, We can't do Divergent because it's not out in theaters until the next week. Right. So what do you think? In, uh, I don't know. Um, we could go see Need for Speed. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, the only no. thing that would get me to see that is the fact that Aaron Paul is the lead character, and he was uh, nope. Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad. But nope. even that doesn't have me interested. Nope, nope, nope. Um, you, and I wish I wish I was uh, versed in Veronica Mars, or we could go see Veronica Mars this weekend. Well, yeah, although I don't know that it's playing anywhere near me. Well, that's right; it's pretty uh, limited. It's, it's, it isn't is it? limited. Um, I heard it had a really great reception from, uh, as they're called, Marshmallows or Veronica Mars fans. Um, uh-huh. uh, let me let me let's see here, Veronica. Mars. It's got a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Yeah, I think that I will like it. Uh, I'm not finished with the series. Though. In fact, I've only just started season two, and I do not. I mean, uh, and I've heard you need to be very uh, familiar. Um, you need to be very familiar with the series before you watch the show, which is fine. I, I feel like it's that sort of movie that that's very acceptable because it is a right. fan well, movie. Yeah, and it was brought back by the fans, so uh, it's, it's going to very much cater to them. 
In th- it, all Fandango will say is in theaters 314, plan ahead, sign up for email alerts, which means it's not in my area because I have my zip code entered. Um, and so they don't have an opening date in my area is what that means. Um, right. There's a certain theater chain um, that it's in that uh, – let's see, theaters. It's so hard to type and talk at the same time. <laughs> oh, it's AMC. So you need to have an AMC near you, and there is not a one within 100 miles of me. Gotcha. Well, there will be one as soon as I go home for spring break this weekend. Mm. Well, anyway, I don't want to watch it until I've seen the whole series. So I'm right, sure we'll get here. I'm, I think it'll come to DVD fairly quickly or yeah. in some form, you know, probably watch instantly, whatever. So uh, we'll probably I, I do want to watch it at some point because I have enjoyed the series up to this point. Yeah. All right. Back to our three choices, Chad. We're, we're going to figure this out on the air and let make people listen <laughs> to our casual conversation. Three days to kill. Three hundred rise of an empire. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Well, Your vote of will those be three, Of those three, the one that stands out to me is Grand Budapest, but mm-hmm. I understand that you don't want to see that. Um, it just looks off-color to me that in a way that I don't think I would enjoy. Um, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it. I just know that the trailer, uh, the trailer amuses me, and I really like the soundtrack. Uh, which I've been listening to the past couple of days. Before I before I give my yes and amen to this, let me make sure. That it's got an eighty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sure it does. It looks like that kind of film. Three Days to Kill, I don't think is doing any good at all. No, it's got a thirty three percent. Get three hundred is forty three. This movie is currently not playing in your location. Yeah, it's not playing where I'm at right now either. But so it might out. be at home. So that's out for me. Sorry. Oh, is it not going to be playing at all this weekend? No, it didn't look like it. Well, normally Fandango would have, um, would have showtimes for this weekend by now. Okay. Well, Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll keep an eye on it. And if for some reason Fandango is just not showing it and it does show up, you know, tomorrow or Thursday, uh, then maybe we'll do that. Otherwise let's plan on three days to kill. I think you'll like that better than 300 rise of an empire. Okay, and hopefully it doesn't have the sex scenes that you don't want to watch. Three Days to Kill? Yeah. No, I don't think it does. Uh, right, I'm, I'm just pretty... saying in comparison to 300. Yeah. I, that's why I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'll probably wait for uh, a home video release for three, uh, 300 Rise of an Empire so I can properly skip those. Uh, let's see. Let me just double check here. Yeah, okay, so Three Days to Kill is rated PG-13. And, of course, it is in my area. So we're good to go. Okay. All right. Now that we've made people uh, wade through our casual conversation, (laughs) where can people keep up with you online, Chad? Well, you can uh, go to my newly updated ChadLikesMovies.com. I saw that. Um, It's a a miracle. I've been hauling out reviews. I've got three more before I'm caught up. And so I'll get those out in the next couple of days. Um, So that's my personal movie review website. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and then on Twitter at twitter.com slash chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Right, you can find me on moviebyte.com. That's where I write every day, and oftentimes I write the reviews, although you wrote the review for this one because I felt you would be better suited and I was really busy. But I do write reviews a lot there and write something every day, link lists, posts, you know, articles, trailers, all kinds of stuff. So check me out, moviebyte.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash TJ Draper pro. Uh, you can also follow movie bite on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash movie bite. 
Uh, if you want to find show notes for this episode, you can do that at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 82. And uh, check out all the show notes, the links, and the cool stuff that we talked about there. Uh, that is it for this week. We will probably be talking about Three Days to Kill next week. Uh, I don't, you know, I know Chad, you're not looking forward to this. I think it could be okay. We'll see. Um, Time will tell. We'll I've been wrong yeah. about so many movies, so many times that I hate <laughs> making predictions. But there you go. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. Thanks uh, so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. See you, Chad. Bye.